stretch his knacker in the door. Yeah, really, really hurt. <laughs> but more importantly, it's <laughs> Halloween. Ooh. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, welcome to another episode of Talk Toy to Me, uh, our Halloween special. Absolutely. Episode 30. Hitting a milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, oh, oh, before we carry on, actually. Yeah. Oh, firstly, hello. I'm I'm Ben, and I'm joined by Alex. My, yes, yeah, my Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined by my Alex. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, yeah, before we carry on, yeah, I actually wanted to mention uh, the podcast is now one years old. Ah, happy birthday! One year old, I guess. One, one year. One years old. <laughs> yeah, a whole years old. Yeah, we've been doing this for a whole year. Which is, I'll be honest, it's been a doddle, thanks to you, Ben. That's You've very, been keeping it going. Thank you, that's very kind. Well, you, well it takes two to tango, uh, <laughs> and now it's uh, time for us to say bye. <laughs> We're not doing, this is it, I'm done. <laughs> but um, no, uh, that's great, I yeah. can't believe, that's, that's flown by. Uh, really has. Not only that, not only is this podcast a year old, it was actually like a year old in September, but I haven't actually had a chance to actually mention it. Yeah. Uh, the, <clears throat> this, we've also... Because now we're on episode 30. Yeah. We are now uh, further along than Mint on Cardcast ever was. Oh, so we're properly leaving the past behind. Well, yeah, we've overlapped it. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and that's weird, isn't it? Because the show, I swear, doing a Mint on Cardcast was a lot harder. It did feel so much harder. Yeah. It did. And, and we this... only did 28 episodes. I know. But this, like, that felt like pushing a boulder up a hill. It really did. So this, whatever, what, what? This just feels like gliding. It really is yeah. easy. This is really easy. Um, and it's also, it's thanks to you, Alex. Uh, thanks to you guys as well listening. Uh, that that is just, just easier. It's I feel. just fun. Yeah, we're just having fun, and it's just, it's just a doddle. So yeah. really appreciate you guys. No, thank you to everyone um, that has listened yeah. and um, hopefully enjoyed. I can't say whether you did or not. But, um, <laughs> well, you've, well, thanks for sticking around for a year if you have. Yeah, uh, I mean that, that's dedication <laughs> to a cause. Here's to many more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, back to the show. Yeah, it's Halloween. Ooh. All right. So we got something special for you guys. We do. Uh, but firstly, have you been buying anything spooky? Uh, so the only spooky thing that I've bought is, um, you know, the Toonie Terrors that NECA do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we there's they had an offer from the people we get our NECA from um, that ended up making we could buy a load in cheap, and mm-hmm. so the three pack of the Halloween three trick or treaters. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Has got, yeah. gone down to half price. So I was like, I'll have one of them then at oh, half awesome. price because it's just they're just nice little Halloween decorations anyway. Mm-hmm. So um so yeah so I picked them up um just for a little Halloween display. So but that's the only thing I have been buying recently but I was like I can't pass that up at that. I price. do uh, I do like those. I saw I, I saw you guys post it on the Instagram. Yes, yeah, I think TVM we did. TVM Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Television movie store in Norwich if you <laughs> are in Norwich come and check it out. Do. You? Uh, you might see Alex in there. Yeah, and I I tend to order in all the NECA stuff so. Mm. Um yeah, I did see that. Uh, yeah. I also saw in the glass cabinet you've got um, are they sideshow ones? Oh no, they're trick or treat studios. Right, ones. okay. So and we've just got. Is it, no, it hasn't come back in yet. We are due back in the Terrifier one from that. Oh right, which okay. we had in and sold out. Nice. Like we sold through about six of them. Wow. Because Terrifier is really big right now. Yeah. The what the ones in the glass cabinet, the trick or treat ones are great. They're really nice. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. I happen to go and visit, I have to go in there very briefly. I can't remember why. I think it was just to see you mm. chat. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, they're really nice. Um, not that I can afford premium like uh, figures at the moment. Although they're way cheaper than a hot toy. Oh, and yeah, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, there is that, yeah. 
but I end up spending three three digits on toys that aren't that shouldn't be three digits really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you've got to have a Batmobile. Yeah, I've got to have a. See, this is what I mean. I've got, I've got, I've got to have my Mondo Harley Quinn. I told you I pre-ordered that, right? No, you haven't told you. Yeah, I pre-ordered uh, it. Yeah. Whether I can actually buy it, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I mean. The deposit was only like about fifteen quid, so, yeah, so it's lose, worth doing. I mean, not that I want to. I mean, I would be a bit gutted that I lost fifteen quid, but also it is only fifteen quid. Yeah. So think about all those people who had pre-orders at Big Chief Studios. Yeah, right. And aren't they like? And some of them paying full price. I'm guessing they're not deposit ones. Well, you know, uh, the person who used to come in the shop. Oh, I'll, I'll edit this out. Yeah. 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 Well, well, no, you can leave this in. Like, I just don't want to name him. On yeah. It. No. Sure. Sure. Like, um, I think he had pre-ordered. At least three figures and paid full price. Oh my god, that would be like what nearly a grand. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, Big, Big Chief Studios are the guys that do that. They're basically the hot toy equivalent, but they of like, but well, they tried to, sh- be they tried to be hot toys. They tried to be hot toys. Yeah, that's probably a bit generous yeah. me saying that. But um, <clears throat> they were doing like Sherlock and Doctor Who and, uh, yeah, and Jerry Thunderbirds. Anderson. Yeah. yeah, that's it, Jerry Anderson stuff. So um, yeah, we talked about them once on the episode on the I podcast. Think we did, yeah, we, we did. We yeah. did like a couple episodes ago, saying they they went under. So. Um, cry it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fifteen pound. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It. And 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 it's not about the fact that it's Mondo breaking down. It's more. It's more me because. But as you know, guys, I'm freelance, and I mean, I've been my work has been very quiet recently, so I can't exactly be spending lots of money on toys. So it might start. Um, I might start having to go. I haven't been buying anything, but I want to talk about this toy I bought ages ago <laughs> because it is going to get like that. I'm not going to be buying much soon. But have you been buying much now? Uh, I've only got a little thing to show you, and you know about it already, Alex, because uh, I bought it from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, I got uh, Amigo Frankenstein. Yeah. Fra- sorry, Amigo Frankenstein's monster. I should say. Too many people call him Frankenstein. He's not Frankenstein. He's a uh, just a monster, uh, or Frank, as I call him. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it really. It's he's not a like twelve-inch one. Yeah. He's so, not oh, a, sorry. A yeah. Sized one. Yeah, he's one of the modern reissue type. Well, I suppose he's not reissue. Is he? He's a new no, thing. I think he's a new thing. I don't yeah. think they ever did them. No, I didn't think they did. But, I mean, um, I'm not. I'm not a huge expert in Migos at all. Nor am I. But I mean, I mean, honestly, Universal Monsters seem like yeah the thing that Migo should have been doing. Yes. But they probably just didn't have the license. Um, but uh, yeah, I really like him. I dig him. I don't know where to put him though. That's the only problem because I've got the creature out and that's fine. Because, you know, I, I've, I've talked about it on the show before I got the creature. But I don't know what to do with uh, with Frankenstein's monster. I really like it, though, because it reminds me of, like, the, the, the sculpt is simple enough, but realistic enough. Yeah. And that's why I quite dig it. Like, it looks a bit like it's a Japanese Sofubi toy or something like that. It does. It does. In there, the head sculpt, There anyway. is something really nice about that sculpt. Yeah. That um, it's Karloff without being... Yeah, right? Not... Ex- but not... Yeah. Not... Extremely Carlos. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I thought the sculpt was really good because the creatures is really good, but it's just it's just sculpting a yeah. mask, isn't it? But this is sculpting an actual genuine person. And it face. looks it's one of the it's one of the only things that I've seen because you know that I've said in the past that I have issues with some of the reaction figures and stuff that they yeah, yeah 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 like it looks retro in a really good way. It looks mm-hmm. like it could whilst it's clearly fresh and new, it looks like a toy that could have come out in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, easily. Yeah, no, I do. I, I I really dig it, and you gave me a good price for it, um, because um, you know everyone at the store is very nice, and I st- I still occasionally get a little discount, and I really appreciate that. Um, and so I was like, well, why not? Let's just do yeah. it. And that was when I had money, so <laughs> now it's not so not so much. Um, but uh, well, yeah, the the Dracula does look like an anime Dracula. That's what I was about to say. The 
the Dracula I would get. The problem is I don't think he looks that good. No, he doesn't. Which is a real shame because I've got Frankenstein's monster and I've got yeah. Swamp, uh, Swamp Thing. you got Swamp Kar- Thing. <laughs> Karina, Karina, actually, my partner actually thought they were the same thing <laughs> but it, for a while when we were in Florida and stuff. And she was like, oh, is it not the same thing? So, no, completely different things. They're not even in the same, like, uh, like they're not even known by the same company. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. But, but I get it. They both live in swampy, like, yeah. lagoon type things. So, you know. Um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, I've got those two things, so it'd be good to have a third. Yeah. But like, I don't. I think Dracula sucks. <laughs> it Wolf, doesn't look. Wolfman would be nice. Yeah. Do you know what they've done? Have they only done those three? I don't actually. We'll have to have a look. We'll into look it. into look into it because I was just going to get the creature, but I quite dig. And I think the other thing is with my my Universal Monsters collecting things. I like everything else can be in color, but I think the Necker figures I want black and white. I think I've decided that just because they are the closest thing to the original thing I would see on the mo- in the movie. So I'd yeah. like it being black and white. Well, this stuff is merchandise. Yes. So I feel a bit different about that. Does see, that make sense? No, that totally makes yeah. sense. And like the, like the boss at work is getting them in black and white. I think it makes sense. Um, although I have... I, have I told you about this? I've told you about this, but well, I don't you, think you, I've mentioned it on the podcast. And that's, it's why I mentioned it, because yeah. you have mentioned this. You said about how um, you associate them with the 90s. Yeah. And that's why they're, and and that's they're why all in colour, right? In color. Which is fair enough. Um, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, but I am having to get the black and white uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Why is that? Or have you said that on here? Have you said it on here? I don't think I've said it on well, here. Well, go, go for it. Why? Why? Because Bride of Frankenstein is white. Like, oh, even in colour, the Bride of Frankenstein is white. Oh, so they've just with, done... With black hair. But the colour Bride of Frankenstein necker figure mm-hmm. is almost as if what she would have looked like during filming. So she's got like a pinkish skin hue and her hair is brown oh and it's like but that's not the bride of frank the bride of frankenstein it comes back to that thing of i like the 90s look they all have a very specific yeah, yeah, look yeah, yeah, yeah. um and color scheme and bride of frankenstein is white has white skin yeah because even in the merchandise she was yeah. like yeah that's true exactly mm. so and especially for me it's the brown hair that really does it i could live with the <clears> skin yeah um but oh no i couldn't no i think i think the skin's white it is that, white it's white, <laughs> but with black hair, I think it would look less pink. Not that I'm against skin color. I'm just, just you know, we're, we're not. We're, I don't mean that. I hate the whites. <laughs> I normally hate whites. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just mean like, yeah, that that is Bride of Frankenstein. You're right. Yeah. You're, that seems weird to me. No, I definitely no. The skin color is the is the no. It would actually be the other way around. I think for me, if the yeah. if the hair's brown, that's not a big deal. It's the it's the skin. It's, yeah. It's the skin tone. She's she's got white. Pale white skin. Exactly. Should we rephrase that? Pale white skin. Yeah. I'm not talking about. Well, it's dead skin. What it is? Yeah, is, it's is supposed skin to be. She's of supposed a dead to, body. Yeah, because look at you. Look at like um, Frankenstein's monster. Look at the monster himself. Yeah. He's like greenish or like you know white. I don't actually know what he's supposed to be. Is he green? Well, he's always green. I think from in the some, merch he is. I don't. I, know. I think in most of the early posters, if he is a color, he's got a green tint. To Either him. way, he's not. Normal white oh, skin. That makes like, it very good. Where does green for Frankenstein come from? I don't know. Gross gangrene. I don't know. Maybe they just sort of gross dead. Anyway, yeah, that's what I bought. Yeah, um, and then my friend Tom, Bloody Tom Garbert, got me. Uh, Tom Garbert, who's do Super Eight Power Hour with, um, got me a very belated birthday present. Um, he got me a little kaiju sofubi, and it's from um, the anime SSS Gridman. That is the weirdest thing I have ever seen in my life. Right? It's pretty weird, isn't it? I don't because, know anything about SSS. Well, just Gridman. because it looks 
if you cover up the end there, yeah, it's an elephant. Yeah, I know, right? I thought because it's, it's, it's an got elephant. eyes there, right? Yeah, on the with, on with, with a dragon front. So, yeah, it's like a weird sort of pink blue dragon. I love the colours on it. It's like oh pink, yeah, the blue, colours are lovely. Pink blue dragon. It's got a really detailed sculpt on it, so that's why I was like, what is this? Yeah. And then I find out it's from SSS Gridman, which is an anime, a more recent anime. Like I think it came is out it 20, really? Yeah, I think it came out in like 2014 or something. Doesn't have a date on the toy, but I think the anime is quite recent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's my first um, kaiju little toy uh, that isn't from a tokusatsu show. It's from a, wow. It's from an anime. Yeah. But I thought that's technically it's hot. it's a monster. <laughs> thought maybe I'll just mention that as well. And also just to say, if, I don't know if he listens or not, but thank you, Tom. Really appreciate that. It's really kind of him. Went out for lunch and he just had an Amazon box. I don't think he got yeah. Amazon, but he had one of those cardboard Amazon boxes hanging around with him. I was wondering why I did that. I thought maybe he was picking up his post. <laughs> and he just gave it to me and said, this is for you. And I was like, what for? And I was like, was, you always get things for my... Because I do... I do I, with my friends, I do like to get people birthday presents and Christmas gifts. I don't know. I just I just like doing it. Um, yeah. And he says he never really gets anything for me, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. That's very kind of you. So I got that as well. Um, but that's it, really. Like I said, one thing I bought for me for myself, but you gave me a little bit of a discount. And the other thing I got as a gift. So I haven't really bought Still much. the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Well, that monster. That monster. Just Ooh, even even standing up. Just yeah. because it is so clearly a guy in a suit, but it is a toy. But it's and it's from an anime. It's not from. A, yeah. It's not a guy in a suit. Well, as far as I'm aware, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of. But that, it's odd because it is so clearly looks like a guy in a suit. Yeah. But that's probably what they're, but that's obviously what they're going yeah. for. Because as far as I'm aware, SFS Gridman is supposed to be like a homage to Ultraman. Oh, well, that so, makes, it, so it makes like sense. He could be an Ultraman. Yeah, villain, there's more to it than that. I don't know enough about it. I, I am wanting to watch it. I've been wanting to watch it since it came out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he just. Um, Tom was just like, I know you like weird kaiju, and just bought it. He didn't even know it was from SFS Gridman. Yeah. He just bought it and said, I like the look of that one. I'll get that at a reasonable price. Um. Right. So. Shall we get to the meat and the potatoes? Yes, so we've got a uh, very special guest this episode, yes, really. Yes, we have. Uh, we, so uh, I reached out to um, a very lovely man called Edmund Barnett Ward, um, who um, has been in the toy business for a very long time. He mm. worked, I got in contact with him specifically because we found out he worked on Monster Wrestlers in my pocket. Yeah! Which is, um, which is obviously our jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, but um, I found him because I was listening to a podcast, a Doctor Who podcast, because he sculpts the Doctor Who figures. Mm-hmm. He's worked for Lucasfilm. He's worked for Playmates. And he just seemed like such a fascinating guy that I was like, let's see if we can get him on to have And a he chat. really, he really was. He really yeah. was a fascinating guy and a really nice guy. So it was really, it was, we were really glad to get him on. Yeah. Um, and, so, and hopefully, touch wood, if we are able to, we'll have him back on in the future. Cause absolutely. Such a good chat. And absolutely. um excited for you all to hear it. So um yeah. here is our chat with Edmund. I don't know if I know him well enough to call him Ed. <laughs> well, we did it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, lucky for you we recorded the interview. So uh just to let you know guys, uh the recording. We did have some technical issues on our on our our side. I think Edmund sounded alright. Yes. We might sound a bit off, but then again, you're not here. You're not. You're not here for us today. You're here for, you're him. Here for him. So the only thing is, so we might sound a bit. We might sound a bit rubbish. So apologies for that. Um, but uh, as long as he sounds great, who cares, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah, here it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to do this interview. My pleasure. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So I, I saw you on um. Uh, was it the 
Who Who to Who? Yeah. Corner podcast. So corner to corner. Yeah, corner to corner. That's the one. How are you today? Great. Yeah. No. Great. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> just Just looking forward to another trip down Amnesia Lane. To... <laughs> well, well, we definitely want to uh, pry some of those memories out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Um, so yeah. So um, thank you so much for coming on. And um, if we could just start by sort of asking how, what was your entry to the business? Well, <laughs> it's um, it's quite a convoluted story. So I had a a big uh moment of indecision rather like me talking now a big moment <laughs> of indecision uh, in my my teenage years after i did my a levels about whether i was going to go to art school or whether i was going to do a, a degree um and and the 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 sort of my first love was film i i wanted to be a filmmaker really more than anything um but uh didn't really have a particular sort of route into that as a career or an idea about how you start so I I sort of went for the thing that I loved and um so I went for a, a, an interview at an art college and it was a horrendous interview because my portfolio was full of um uh, basically graphic art comic book characters uh, predominantly Batman and Judge Dredd <laughs> and, and the thing that they said in this interview was, uh, have you got anything original? And I was like, well, it is original. Just because those characters aren't mine doesn't mean the drawings and the you know, paintings aren't mine. They're just the, the subjects that I'm interested in. And they were very sniffy about it and sort of said, well, you know, if we were to give you a huge amount of money, if we were to give you a million pounds, would you just go off and make some film or would you try and create the the most, you know, amazing piece of art that's ever been <laughs> created? And I was like, well, I think I'd go and make a film with Judge Dredd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Amazing. That's, that's what, and, and, and they were they're like, I don't think art college is going to be for you. Um, so I, uh, I went out of that and uh, thanks Plymouth Art College for that because... Um, uh, university gave me a huge amount of uh, of things, um, uh, including my my wife. So <laughs> it's kind of uh, you know uh, very grateful that I didn't go down that route. Um, so I did uh, drama and theatre studies at Royal Holloway, um, and uh, and afterwards I wanted to get into film, and my wife wanted to be an actress, so we moved into London to. Golders Green, and um, I, it, you know, crashed down to earth really quickly because I really rapidly discovered that entry-level jobs in the film industry all required uh, a skill that I didn't have, which is the ability to drive. Um, <laughs> I, I since yeah. learned to drive, but I, I had a sort of rather unfortunate situation of my parents um, had sp split up in my late teens and my dad had the car and I had no ability to do driving lessons friends used to try and take me out but it sort of you know never really worked and I didn't take a test so um I was a bit stuffed really um and 
I did manage to get some uh, jobs in very low budget uh, straight to video fare doing uh, props and effects. So oh, I think okay. the highlight of that particular phase of my career was um, a video called Q Here for Laughs, which was uh, a, a John Virgo comedy vehicle, uh, <laughs> which guest starred uh, Norman Wisdom, uh, Stanley Unwin, who had had a particular, he, he had a, Professor Stanley Unwin had an amazing uh, way of speaking. He mangled the language. That was his comedy shtick. And, and about half the cast of Police Academy. And, <laughs> and I made... Um, edible snooker balls and a variety of other things but shortly after that I heard that they were crewing up for Star Wars and Star Wars was the sort of love of my life I, that was the main sort of inspiration for for uh, everything that I did so um, I uh, wrote off to Lucasfilm and I got a reply from Nick Dubman, who was the head of the Creature Shop on episode one. And he said, uh, Ed, you know, uh, we, we, I love your passion. I love what you're writing, but you've got absolutely no proof that you can do the things that you say you can do because you don't have a portfolio. So my sculpting background, my sculpting uh, uh, ability was formed from um, doing sort of Dungeons and Dragons miniatures and, oh, no way. And, and and really creating my own things. And I, I didn't even have those with me. They were locked away in some box somewhere at my parents' house. <laughs> so I just had absolutely nothing. And I was feeling quite down about this whole process. And at the time I was signing on in Finchley Job Centre. And this was the days, of course, before computers, where jobs were written out on little cards and placed around the room, broadly speaking, in, divided into types of job, industry sectors and, and the like. And I was just looking through these cards. And one of these cards said, wanted sculptors capable of working to a small scale. And, and this was like well that's exactly what I need I think because uh, Nick had said in his letter if you get more commercial sculpting experience talk to me again and at the, I sort of looked at it I don't even know what commercial sculpting means what does that mean and um, obviously it means doing sculpts to a brief for a industrial or commercial process um, so I quickly took this card over to the person in the job centre and they phoned up as they used to do in those days saying I've got a got a person here who thinks they might be good for the job and they were they handed the phone over to me and the guy on the other end said um, oh you know we make toy prototypes um, and some of the things that you might be familiar with Action Man, Cindy, Monsters in My Pocket. Um, and I was like, oh, OK. So I knew Monsters in My Pocket. Uh, uh, I knew what they were. And, and I went off and uh, in preparation for this interview that I had, I sculpted a caricature of myself um, as a sort of wolf man. Oh. Uh, 
but with glasses because um, <laughs> I've got glasses um, for all the people who can't see my face um, and uh, and so then I went along to this interview and um, I found out later that I was actually hired as a bet I was hired as as a one pound bet between the two senior managers at the at the at the, at the company um, the the one who said to the other I bet that the next person that walks through the door with any kind of any kind of slight inkling that they've got the ability, I can turn them into a sculptor. And that that was um, that was John the manager and, and and Russell the owner who who had that one pound bet. They um, I, I that's how I got the job. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, and uh, monsters in my pocket was pretty much the first thing I worked on. In, in those days, um, commercial sculpting, there were there were really only two uh, or three big uh, studios that did this kind of work. So I worked for a company called Camelot Industrial Artists, CIA, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, and um, it was hilarious when Camelot was awarded the lottery because people just looked up in the phone directory Camelot <laughs> and, yeah. and were ringing up to congratulate us on having won the lottery <laughs> contact. Um, uh, it, it was crazy days. But um, there was also uh, Synapse and uh, and a guy called Paul Gillingham who had his uh, a studio. And we, we I think those three companies were probably responsible for for, for the vast majority of of toy prototyping that was done in this country um and, uh, unless individual manufacturers had their own sort of uh, uh people yeah. um so in those days you'd start off very much as a um as a jobbing sculptor working on bubble bath bottles they tended to start oh, big right. and, and 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 work down so this was obviously mid early 90s and um the sort of explosion for uh shaped bubble bath bottles the idea of a of a bubble bath bottle being also a toy was yeah. something that was just coming in and it, and it had a it had a, a real big made a real big impact and there, there were two companies sort of leading that uh charge um uh, uh grosvenor and Euromark. Euromark was a fantastically quirky organisation where, where um, it, its owner, who was an ex-officer um, uh, in the army, um, and a guy called Brian Harris, and uh, <laughs> I do remember who one one giving an indication of the sort of personality he was he he phoned up the office once and and said that he wanted to speak to me about a project and the um secretary had said who who can i ask who's who's talking and and he says brian harris and he thought that the line had gone dead but she heard him say only the person that paid your wages um <laughs> <laughs> as she was switching up and he was very like that he was a very very like matter of fact uh person um a very um 
very unusual person to be the first person to see the value of the Teletubbies. You and Mark, I think, were the first people to get a license to produce Teletubbies. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, you, you, in those days, you'd start sculpting bubble bath bottles and you kind of work your way down. But all of my experience was in small things. So they were OK. Well, you know, have a go at those. Um, so looking back at, at the the first line that I, I had hands on work on was um, the uh, was the monster wrestlers. So it didn't it didn't didn't go I, I didn't go we didn't go back as far as monsters in my pocket. Although yeah. Cam, Camelot did the people at Camelot did do work on those well, I think about seven series of those um, and, and they did do work on on those. But the first one that I had any connection to with the monster wrestlers um and um i have to say that it's so sort of vague i i'm pretty sure that i did work on um the uh franken frankenstone it's w w8 and w9 tony uh tony the tiger which was a frosty's giveaway yeah, it did quite a lot of Tonys because that started a whole <laughs> um, uh, started a whole thing with Tonys yeah, with Frosty's yeah. of sports stars. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a whole load of those. Yeah, um, and um, uh, thirty-nine uh, referee uh, double Nelson. Oh, double okay. Nelson yeah. for the ring. And there's a whole story about the ring in its own right, which is oh yeah, which yeah. is quite. <laughs> we're up for that. If, if, yeah, 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 we're totally up for that. So, a lot of the time, um, there is a very family attitude about a, a, a workshop when you get enmeshed in a workshop. Um, it's an amazing um, sort of, you know collegiate process everybody working together for 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 an end and the toy industry often even when it's working a long time in advance which most licensed products so when i'm working on things like star wars doctor who harry potter all of those things will be worked on a year before they're due to come out in general um but um other non-licensed toy lines back in the day could have very quick turnarounds you would the expectation would be that you would do do these things really quickly um so there was often we often had to pull all-nighters or you know weekend shifts i in those days i worked absolutely ridiculous hours um and, and we all did um so the the wrestle ring which people may be familiar with it's it sort of um appears like it's carved out of stone yeah Um, yeah. and um it it was it was needed uh urgently for um uh for for a, a presentation um so the way that um if i sort of roll back a little bit the way that the things were created in those days the prototypes 
the original prototypes. Nowadays, I'm entirely digital, so I work in ZBrush on a computer. Um, if if anything is uh, required for uh, presentation pr purposes or for you know proof of concept or something, it will be 3D printed. But for the first half of my career, everything was made physically. So all of the monster wrestlers were sculpted from uh, two-part epoxy resin, milliput, which um, anybody who is a plumber will be familiar with as <laughs> um, a really dodgy way to repair a, a, a leak in a pipe. Um, and because and, uh, you basically, you add these two bits together and it's like sticky plasticine. Yeah. And then after an hour or so, there's a chemical reaction and and it it hardens off. So people in in uh, who indulge in what they euphemistically call the hobby, as in Warhammer, um, will be familiar with Milliput and also yeah. with green stuff. Um, yeah. so chemically, those two objects are are exactly the same. The, the the except that it's what they use as a filler. So uh, green stuff uses uses um, a plastic-based filler, whereas Milliput uses a chalk-based um, uh, filler. Um, so it, Milliput is harder in its yeah. when it sets than than green stuff, which can remain quite pliable for quite a while after you've you've actually mixed it together. Um, so all the sculpts, all of the figures were done in in Milliput, and then things like that um the wrestling ring were would be fabricated from uh so you you probably created a, the base the basic shape of it from uh sheets of perspex um or abs but perspex is more um heat resistant and generally that's better because often when you've made a physical prototype, you have to make a mould of it out of silicon because um, in the old days, traditionally, the client would require a grey master, which would be a perfect version of the sculpt, mm -hmm. and two deco samples. And you always get two deco samples created at the same time because then the client would keep one deco sample and send the other one out to the Far East. So that when the Far East sent something back in completely the wrong colours, they could go, no, look, we sent you this <laughs> deco master to say exactly what we wanted. Um, so the thing about the ring is it was made in very short order by um, a whole team of model makers worked on different elements of it to get it all done together um and then they needed to put it into uh to mold um now the engineering of a sub of an object like that um i stuttered just then am i my I'm, did i lose audio or am i you still with me oh, no yeah, oh, we're still with you still with you sorry no no you're okay um yeah so so the um The engineering of an object like that in terms of, 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 of its manufacturing was all done at the factory. So you could 
basically what was going on underneath the ring wasn't important. We could send it out almost as a solid block, but it had been made as a shell. And what happened was that the the guys that were making the mould of it, for simplicity, decided to make an an open back mould. So there's two two sort of real. When you've got a figure, you've got to fully encase it in in the silicon so that you can get all aspects of it, you know, yep. top bottom all, all in, in 300, you know, 360 degrees all round. When you're making doing this ring they knew that the bottom was unimportant so they thought they'd do an open back mold and then they could just pour the resin in and and sand it down flat and that would be absolutely fine that'd be perfect so the setup for that involved sticking it down onto a base uh, and then building a box around it and then filling it up with silicon now they put it on the base they boxed it up, um, but they forgot one incredibly vital element of the moulding process. And that is, in order to create a mould, a silicon mould, that doesn't have bubbles in it. So the worst thing that you can have is that when you pour your silicon on and just leave it to set, um, there are... you because you have to mix it up quite violently with a, a special uh, blade that's attached to a drill, you basically whip air into the thing. Now, you always get rid of that air in a vacuum chamber. So you, uh, it's, very, it's a very beautiful thing to watch, actually. You've got your big bucket of silicon, and you uh, whiz it all up, you pop it into the vacuum chamber, put the vacuum on, and you see the, 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 the volume almost doubles. It lifts up, and then the surface breaks and bubbles, and then you release off the air, and it all settles down to beautiful crystal clear silicon. Well, you mostly use clear silicon, but yes. you can also use white or blue rubbers quite was was cheaper so we but if we were doing something accurate then you you'd use the clear silicon so then we you pull poured the rubber over it and then once you poured it you put it under vacuum again just to in case you trapped any air as you poured the silicon over the model of course they forgot that they had created a beautiful cavity in underneath the ring yeah yeah. And so when they put it under vacuum pressure, it imploded um, <laughs> with an enormous bang. Um, and and then everyone knew what had happened. Everyone heard it in the workshop and everyone knew what had happened. And, and, and so then there's there's a choice. They either try and repair it retrieve it from the wet silicon and silicon is hideous to clean off oh. you really want to wait until it's it, it's hardened because in its liquid state it is absolutely the most horrible 
gets everywhere, gets into your skin, gets into the pores of your skin, which is really weird because it removes your fingerprint. Um, and, 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 and is actually very bad for your skin. Um, uh, so they had a choice. And I think the, the, the end result was that they ended up remaking the entire, they just left that the one they've done and they ended up remaking the entire model um, in, uh, in, in a weekend. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> and I, I think the only bits that they would have retrieved were in the, the old days. In the old days, when we, <laughs> um, when when you wanted something like a logo, an embossed logo, or um, you know, uh, or lettering, and you wanted it to be precise and follow a font, rather than hand sculpting that sort of thing. It would be um, acid etched in brass plate. Um, and uh, if there were sort of different depth layers, then often you could get quite uh, quite cool, you know, uh, effects by doing different layers of, of, of acid etched brass. Um, and but it was quite expensive to do so relative to the whole process. So uh, I think they re retrieved the um, the 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 plaques the logo from it is probably the only <laughs> bit from that original model that went on to the second model yeah sure um, but um yeah that, that that's um uh, that was the that's, that's something i remember <laughs> yeah when sort of going to um it's amazing the online world you can find images of pretty much everything but I, yeah, I think, as I say, I think those the the those monster wrestlers were the only ones I had anything to do with, and I'm and I'm not I'm not even sure that I did the whole things. I, I think I had much more I was much more settled into Camelot by the time the things that go bump in the night came yeah, through. Right, us. and and I did I definitely did four of those. Yeah, sure. when when you say that um they're sculpted from Milliput. Are they sculpted like the actual size, or are they two ups, or they're sculpted one to one? They were sculpted wow. one to oh, one. Wow. Um, so, um, so it's just it's just oh, it's a shame we've not got visuals, but because I'd actually dragged out my old tools, my old toolbox. Oh, okay. We'd love to see them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, it's um, sorry, my phone keeps going off, and I cannot silence it because it's got one of these weird um, things where it. It, it prioritizes uh, it prioritizes notifications from WhatsApp that I don't want. So I've just <laughs> sorry. Um, you're, honestly, yeah. you're absolutely fine. You're coming out so, so uh, it's not a problem. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So the the prime the prime tool um, for really small work was a cocktail stick. Um, oh. Really? I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> yeah. I did not. Yeah. Just that, and that's one of my. I've got one of my original cocktail sticks. That, right. that wow. was one of my original Camelot co co cocktail sticks. Oh, um, and um, to so that it will last, you soaked it in um, thin super glue. Right. And then uh, kicked it off. Uh, so uh, terminologies. Um, uh, Superglue has a, um, I'm not sure that 
people know this, but uh, super glue can be made to, to go off instantly with um you get a separate spray um, as a sort of alcohol based spray and you 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 spray your super glue and it will go off Im immediately. So um, you can actually semi semi sort of sculpt in super glue. If, if you have occasionally you get issues with um, again in the early days Milliput often um, didn't have the most consistent manufacturing so you would get these lumps of material that would would never cure and if you had one of those on the surface of your model you had to sort of dig it out and then either fill it with another bit of Milliput which could be time consuming or just drop super glue in and kick it off and sand it back and it would be absolutely fine so so a cocktail stick and then um, all of us I think in those early days certainly all of my colleagues that had a similar starting point um, at, at Camelot or or Synapse we, we'd all go to these beautiful shop off Tottenham Court Road Alex Taranti um, and Taranti's uh, were a fine art sculpt resource so they did you know armature wire all different types of clay chavon yeah. which is a very soft uh, plasticine like uh, material um, uh, plastic clay essentially um, Sculpey, which we often used as well, which was um, a sort of professional version of FIMO. So that's a thermopolymer clay. So it's basically like plasticine. You sculpt with it. And when you're happy with the form, it goes in the oven and, and 180 degrees and then it, it goes rock solid afterwards. And you can you can sand it and, and cut it and do things with it. Um, but for really fine detail, I think we would, most of us would prefer to use Milliput. But we'd go to Taranti's and get our materials and their number 13 sculpting spike. I've had mine for 30 years. It's sculpted everything that oh. you could possibly conceive of. Um, and, uh, and and it was what it was after I'd been at Camelot for maybe two weeks. Everyone was like, Ed, you're going to have to get some of your own tools and stop borrowing ours. <laughs> so I, I went and got myself up. And then the, the other sort of main implement is a Swan Morton scalpel handle. Um, everyone had their preferred blade. My, my preferred Swan Morton blades are 15, which is a small um, and, oh. uh uh, blade that that is has an arced a rounded surface scalpel. Uh, yeah but sorry what was that it looks looks very much like a scalpel it is a scalpel that is exactly <laughs> what it is it's a, it is it's a medical grade scalpel and, and in fact all of the all of the packs are medical grade oh, uh, wow. okay packs they, they just it's just um they are mahusively lethally sharp <laughs> but they are so good for etching really tiny fine detail into into little chalk based milliput models yeah yeah that is just seeing that and knowing like the 
like you say, the, the history of what all those things have sculpted is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was. You've already technically answered the second question. I was. Go, we were going to ask, but um, I'm curious to know. Uh, do you still have the uh, little Wolfman uh, figurine of yourself? At all? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm. I'm absolutely um, fastidious about keeping. I've always. I always try and keep the sculpts, the original sculpts, if I possibly can. So, um, in terms of the the client attitude to original models is um they don't care um they, sure. the, the thing that they want is the perfect master sample and once they've got that they, there's no interest in what was created so um molding um objects does often um unfortunately uh destroy them but it sort of depended how attached you were to the thing, whether you went on and repaired it yourself and kept it. And um, if you had someone that was good at tooling and all of the people that I, I ever worked with have been really good at tooling, they would always try to preserve the model. Um, you generally end up squirreling it away somewhere, sure. taking it home. So <laughs> um, I definitely got the things that go bump in the night that I made, the original Millipart models. Uh, and I've definitely got that original sculpt that I did of myself. <laughs> Good. Um, but it'll be locked away in the attic somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's just nice to know that it still exists. Yeah, exa exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> did you want to ask the next question or shall I uh, since technically? Yeah, yeah, you go yeah? for it. Yeah, All yeah. Right. I was just wondering as well, uh, did you have a favourite monster you worked on? Whether it's through monster wrestlers or maybe even through things, things through a bump in the, the night. night or yeah, um, yeah, I think um, the flush thing, which is um, a which is a bizarre kind of aerobarus of a monster in that it's a toilet, and and the demon or whatever the thing is that lives in the toilet's hand is coming out of the toilet and it's flushing itself down the toilet. <laughs> And I, there was something I loved, just loved about about doing that, um, and 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 that sort of that job really illustrates one of the funny things about doing this work is that there are some things that really tax you and for seemingly no reason that seem like a simple object that take a really ridiculously long time to um, to, to to create. Um, and and then there are other things that just sort of flow off. So I I, I also did the I remember sort of entirely. I remember I spent days and days and days doing the flush thing, and then probably made the thing that ate my breakfast, which is an egg um, holding a knife and fork oh, with yeah, a, I that one. I that with one. a spoon in its head. Um, uh, I probably did that in the morning. <laughs> Um, just the way way things the, the way things work but my, I, I was and have always been an incredibly fastidious sculptor mm. and um, the problem with that as a commercial sculptor is that um, they, they, they talk about the, the sort of um, time uh, quality 
uh, tr triangle, you know, you, 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 and speed, that's the third point of the triangle. So you can, you can, uh, oh no, I already said time, but basically the idea being um, it can be good, but you can't have it quickly, or you can have it quickly, but it can't necessarily be good. Yeah. And a lot of the time in the industry, time was the most sort of pressing thing. They liked monster wrestlers to be sculpted in, no more than a day and a half, two days. Wow. Um, wow but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, other things will take uh, really, really long time. I've got to work this triangle out. Hold on. My brain is not, <laughs> yeah, you're not likely to progress further. We've got, we've got the time it takes to do, the quality of the object, and the cost of the object. There you go. That's the, <laughs> that's the third, the third element. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, when you're working on something, if you're if they're giving you the, the, those things are automatically they're intrinsically linked. So if they're not giving you much money, you're stupid to spend a long time. I always spend a long time. And <laughs> I remember Russell Russell Wildman, lovely old Russell. He was a very eccentric character. He ran Camelot, um, Liverpudlian guy. Um, he completely got out of the industry after Camelot folded sadly in about 2001, and and he just went off and did property development. He he, he and never right. looked back. Yeah. He, he he'd started as a model maker and sculptor, and it was how the original the founding members of Camelot had met. But the the problem with with Russ was that um, he he was uh, at a very young age he he got arthritis and he couldn't oh. he couldn't physically do the job. But he still loved it, so he 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 managed it. Um, he managed people doing it, right. um, and um, he was a he was a very interesting character because he was in terms of his sort of management style. He was one of those people that would um, make you feel that you were completely worthless to the entire world apart from him, who loved you, and so you felt very grateful. <laughs> he was a real. <laughs> he, he was a real hideous emotional blackmailer, um, but in the most lovely possible way. I mean, it makes him sound that makes him sound terrible, but he was he was truly truly was wonderful. And he he sat me down very early on and said, "Ed, you're not going to ever make money in this business. Give it up." Um, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, "But I really like doing it, Russ." It's like, "Well, if you really like doing it and it makes you happy, that's fine. But I just don't want to be." leading you on to think that you're going to ever earn the great money because it's just it's just not going to happen for you you're too slow um and, and he, i don't think he's wrong we, you know we're always we're paid by the by the piece um and there was a set rate to how much that piece was worth yeah. so if you if you couldn't do it in the time you would literally be losing money the whole time and i think i i think my first year as a sculptor i probably earned eleven thousand pounds uh, um and and yeah, which is as bad as it sounds when yeah. you live in yeah. when you live in london um yeah, oh, yeah. and yeah. and so it, i was it sort of it, it's an interesting thing it's the trajectory of my career sort of it it was apparent early on that i had a a, a my nature 
being or trying to be quite an empathetic soul meant that um, I could communicate with clients reasonably well. And so that was the one thing that nobody ever wanted to do. Um, and uh, in some cases, people actively shouldn't have been allowed to do it. Um, <laughs> but um, I, so I, I, but I, I'm reasonably personable, I hope. So I just, I, I would, you know, I, I, I that's what I did. I, 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 I went client facing and did less sculpting and, and until I reached a sort of, after Camelot, I was at a company called Design Works for 12 years, where I was a director in charge of sculpting there. And I would basically only sculpt things if things went wrong. Um, so in the early, I mean, the early days when we were, we were establishing the service within the company, it was just me and one other guy. Um, and then uh, after six months, I bought on another guy. And then by 2008, I had 25 sculptors working for me. But I would only do stuff if if it had gone hideously wrong. Yeah. Um, that that empatheticness sometimes there is just a disconnect between the sculptor's intention and the client's you know desire what they actually want and and unfortunately you you could just be pushing that process round in circles forever you it, it, they would the the sculptor isn't physically able to deliver what the what the client wants and you have to appreciate when those situations are happening and step in and and do it um, but I just about 10 years ago, I thought, I'm, do you know, I just would rather be doing the thing that I like doing originally, which was making the things. Yeah, sure. So, so for the last 10 years, I've been entirely by myself. Um, right. I mean, I have I have a I have Apple design. I, I, I formed a company so that if I do need to do big projects, I can take on other people. And I still work with people that I've worked with for 25 years. 30 years they're, they're, they're all they're all around we've all moved digitally but I'm still in contact with them yeah so um so yeah I mean I'm I, now I, I, I'm much more hands-on than I was 10 or 12 years ago sure which is, yeah which is nice yeah it's yeah. really and like because obviously I, I I sort of found found you and know you because of your work on the Doctor Who line yes um like, do you prefer sculpting like action figure style figures, or did you really enjoy doing the little, like, sort of miniature monster style? Well, do you know, I think the real key to being a successful commercial artist is just being able to find joy in everything. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds stupid, but the act of creation itself is the thing that drives me. Subject matter is secondary. I mean, I, I do love creating very realistic figures. I do. I mean, I, I get a, a very deep sense of satisfaction from creating a likeness that other people look at and go, oh, yeah, that looks like whoever it's supposed to look yeah. like. Um, that's a very sort of satisfying uh, feeling to have. But I love doing funny creatures and, yeah. you know, 
I spent years doing premiums, which things you come free with your cereal. Yeah. Um, years and years for for uh, uh, there was a company that's again sadly gone now. Uh, it, it does feel very weird to me still to sort of be of an age where I have seen the rise and fall of whole companies. But, <laughs> but there's a company called Logistics Kids. Logistics used to do. Um, they were the one that got the license for Robot Wars. So they produced oh, beautiful yeah. little die-cast models of robot. The that. Robot Wars figures mm. when that was really huge the first time round with Craig Charles doing it. Yeah. Um, and Logistics also uh, did almost all of Kellogg's premiums. So it's because of Logistics that I first went to Skywalker Ranch to uh, Lucasfilm. Uh, um, because they need they were going to do some premiums and there was a very short time scale and in those days the way that approvals work for a licensed product so you would either do um, physical sculpt approval or photographic approval but you would send off your bunch of photographs or you would send off your physical sculpt and it would go first of all to um, the uh, licensing agent who managed the license. So in the case of, of, um, of Lucasfilm, that was a company called CPLG, Copyright Promotions Limited, that were based in Hammersmith. And, and they would look at it and they'd be the first gatekeeper. So they'd be the first people to go, oh, no, that's, you know, you've got that face a bit wrong and do that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the secondary gatekeeping, they send it to uh, Lucas Licensing, who will look at it again. And then if it's um, an actor, there'll be a, th- a third tier of, uh, of um, talent approval. Yeah. So, so it'll go to either the actor or their agent. Sometimes oh. it goes to the agent, then it goes to the actor. You can give so many layers. Oh, this, yeah. oh my goodness. Th- this process can can take months for yeah. for a simple figure. Um, you know, they 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 would sort of generally say the full approval approvals process in, in those days was somewhere between eight and sixteen weeks. They wouldn't oh. they wouldn't uh, give. Uh, any guarantees that something can be approved before that now when you're talking about kellogg's and it's six months before the episode one's due to come out yeah um and they've just signed they can't wait that time so they they needed a a solution um so i suggested that we actually go out to lucas licensing direct out to them um and uh we we stay a couple of days we go in for a meeting we we they look over the models they give us the amendments and then we go away and do the amendments in a hotel and then come back for a meeting again and and basically go through the process shortcut the whole process and yeah. i didn't think i didn't honestly think that anything would come of it but um Lucasfilm really loved it <laughs> and their, their, their international um, head of licensing at the time was a guy called Kumars Mogtada who um, Kumars uh, had spent a lot of time in the UK um, 
he uh, had worked at Hasbro. He used to be in charge of Cindy. Oh, so yeah. he was, um, and he was an utterly lovely chap. Really, really fantastic. Um, we used to, so we used to go in, um, and the, it was a really big deal when we first went. They they rolled out all the, you know, the big uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Um, actually chaired that first set of meetings I had with logistics <laughs> wow. um, on on the, um, the the first thing that we did were was a thing for uh, Kelly's called Secret Scrolls which were busts of episode yeah. one characters yeah. that had a had a scroll inside them giving you know a character biog yes. um, and I sculpted Boss Nass and C3PO for that Oh, amazing! That that, that right. um, and um, and it, I'm, I'm, it was absolutely the time of my life because oh, I yeah, of course. I, I, that's what I I wanted to do. You know, I it's sort of I, I should add my whole life, my whole working life has been is vocational. I've I've just carried on doing it because I loved it. I didn't end up going into to film, and and I should add that I one of the reasons for that is that um, a lot of the artisans that worked in the toy industry um, did so in their downtime from making films. A lot of them worked in the film industry. And I, and I, I was just really clear very early on that I, I wasn't that type of person. I couldn't be that type of person. Um, the film industry can be very aggressive. You have to be, um, you have to be very thick skinned and you have to be very pushy and, and uh, very confident in your own abilities. And um, I'm the world's biggest imposter syndrome sculptor. So uh, I, 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 I'm, you know, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what I do. I put it out there. If other people say it's good, then I'm really pleased. But I'm almost surprised daily that I still have work. <laughs> so. Like, but you, you've got like a, a whole legacy of stuff that you've done that people genuinely love yeah absolutely and, well you know it, it's it's my my one it's and i don't it's not a it's not false modesty it's it's my if my my one um arrogant boast which i which i have time and time again proven to be true is that you if you have been a child or had a child in the last 25 years you will have something in your house that i made i can <laughs> guarantee it i yeah. can absolutely guarantee it and um when i come across people who vividly remember some a toy or something that i made and uh, as having a, a lasting impact on them and there have been some there's been some good sort of benchmarks on but even the the premiums. I mean, even things like those secret scrolls. I'm amazed at how many people, you know, vividly remember getting yeah. that yeah. as as the first bit of Star Wars merchandise they had. The thing I that came. Yeah, I had a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. I totally remember. I didn't have the Boss Nass, but I definitely had the C3PO. Mm. I remember. Crazy. Yeah. No. It is. <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of that, my my daughter knows that. I'm doing this today. She was like, "Can you ask? Can you ask him what his favourite Moshi monster was?" Oh. So, 
Oh yeah, because you've worked on yeah. as well. Yeah. God. yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's one that looks like a unicorn. Oh yes. I can't, I can't remember any of their names. No. They, they just like we did the we did we did so many of those in short succession. I think we oh. did the first two series of them. Um, uh, Vivid went another route after that, but um, yeah, there was one that looked like a unicorn that I thought was really cute. <laughs> I will let her know that. She'll right. be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, so. We, we mentioned that you've worked on Doctor Who, you've done work with Star Wars, and mm. done so. is there anything that you wish you had worked on or would like to work on still? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is. There's a ho- there's a holy grail that I haven't found oh. yet. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Asterix. Oh, I'm absolutely oh. mad fan of Asterix, and no one has ever made a decent range of Asterix action yeah. figures. In the whole history, and given how huge Asterix is in France, and that there's the amazing theme park and everything else, it, it constantly boggles my mind. And I know Playmobil just did it, but of course they have a design aesthetic which is applied to the figures. And and to to my mind, that it doesn't translate. It looks it kind of like it's like the the Asterix Playmobil ranges are, are like. Uh, they're, they're, they're beautiful, perfect backdrops and accessories with yes. really wrong-looking characters. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. That are all the wrong sizes. Yeah. But yeah, that's my that's the thing oh. I'd like to do more than anything else is a, is, is 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 a high-end Asterix um, action figure. I wouldn't mind collectible, but I would like to do a proper posable character. Yeah. Because like they, the the play asterisk ones that they did like in the was it late seventies early eighties yeah. like that, that's they're, a fun line but they're not very poseable. No, like, no they, uh, that's it. They're very they're very static figures. Yeah. And then again, I love that line. It's a beautiful line. Um, so the sort of influences I had growing up, I come from um, a, a town in Devon, Tavistock, which is um, near the Cornish border, and um, there were two amazing toy shops as I grew up. There was Owen's Toy Shop and there was Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope is still going. It's it's run by the second generation of people to, 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 oh, to run it. And Kaleidoscope was just the most beautiful, traditional toy shop. It had floor-to-ceiling stock. Just absolutely every surface you can imagine it had things and they they had a wave they had um like pin boards and they used to um through the euro tag holder of things like star wars figures they would thumbtack them to to the wall <laughs> so they made these just amazing displays but it's the sort of toy shop where um you can find you, where anything they ever bought is still there they don't ever take anything out or not necessarily put anything on sale even it's just you you know it's just always there so for years afterwards you'd go in and find um um you know um uh, vital statistics wife what's she called oh god oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah um uh, the, uh, you'd find her you'd find odd figures from that asterisk range um just there um yeah. and, and um 
yeah, they. I've got so I you know that was that was the place I bought my first Star Wars figure from. Um, and that they that really sort of uh, I I love shops like that to this day. Yeah, they are they they spe- but that's that's the whole thing about toys. They are special. They create that moment in time for people. Mm. And you know the fact that you were behind a whole load of them is incredible. Well, yeah, I mean it's I'm, <laughs> it's very I'm incredibly fortunate. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been in there at the inception of some amazing, uh, you know, amazingly popular things. I, mean, I mentioned Teletubbies earlier on, and that I, that is so vivid the first time I ever saw those. Um, so the company I was mentioning before, the Bubble Bath Company, Euromark, they they had a very sort of open book relationship with Camelot. So they would they would tell them the licenses they were interested in before they'd even landed the licenses. <laughs> um, because they wanted us to have the availability to sculpt the things when they had landed on their final uh, offerings for, for for a year, for a season. Sure. So I remember getting this wadge of um, of reference material for um, for for the new season work. And right at the top was uh, Jurassic Park 2. And, oh. and all sculpted. I've never met a sculptor that didn't love a dinosaur. Yeah. Right? Um, and, um, and I've done a few over the years. And in fact, some of my very few, uh, I have done one or two bits of film work over the years. And I did um, work on dinosaurs for um, uh, Dinotopia, which is a... Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a, a fantasy hallmark hallmark uh, thing about you know um, it's a world where dinosaurs are just integrated with humans and yes. humans ride them and stuff um, but uh, yeah we we looked at these Jurassic Park 2 dinosaurs and just thought they were the business and the idea of doing a beautiful t-rex bubble bath bottle was so exciting and we really you know we got really and we worked through the various things and there was there was this other thing that was um that was uh uh oh god uh reboot the uh blue the the, one of the earlier cg cartoons um uh, there was reboot there's a number of other things and then right at the bottom was like this weird baby-faced colorful creatures what the hell is that and we and, and everyone looks like they're so wrong they're just no no one's no one's going to be interested in those and 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 i i said at the time i'll guarantee nothing in that that book of stuff is going to happen apart from those teletubbies um and um Lo and behold, I was yeah. right. <laughs> we didn't do the, the the Jurassic Park two bubble bath bottle license went to Grosvenor, so oh. Synapse probably <laughs> sculpted them. Our bitter rivals, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and we we ended up doing um, Teletubbies, Rosie and Jim. We did do reboot. We did a we did a we did. He had a, a quite a cool sort of hoverboard thing, um, and we did. I remember doing a. a um, sort of a bubble bath bottle of 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 him on a on a jet of air Um, and uh and that was all fantastic but 
I'm certainly grew to love Teletubbies. I, I, <laughs> I, I've, I was there for, for the original inception of them and their revival. Um, oh. So I did, you know, when they were when they were revived and they had and they had little smaller ones as well about. Yes. Oh, that must have been about seven, eight years ago now. I, I did those as well, but um, but yeah, I mean, just a vast array of things, clangers, Harry Potter, um, Looney Tunes, tons of every conceivable form of Disney and Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That is so. And thank you so much for talking to us yeah. about it all because thank you for taking the time yeah i've been somewhat dominant i hope that's we had all these questions written out but i mean really we didn't this even know because it's just a perfect like, yeah you you Brilliant. answered all the questions just by chatting it's been amazing yeah, it's you been know, incredible you know when you've got someone that's got the knowledge that you has has have um that's what we're here to we to listen yeah and we'll have to get you on we'll have to get you on again yeah I if you'd be up for coming on again yeah, we'd yeah. love that. absolutely brilliant yeah absolutely fantastic thank you so much yeah man. thank you thank ever you. so much we will um we'll let you know when it's all out and everything <laughs> brilliant no problem <laughs> fantastic thank you so much have um, a really good rest of the day yeah and um yeah i'll talk to you soon thank you brilliant and uh wow that was great that was so much fun wasn't it yeah it was really good i hope you like that for the spooky season we've got a guy who sculpted monsters yeah yeah and himself as a monster yeah oh that's see that's really cool i know oh that's really cool i hope i hope future us has got hold of that image at least of the office oh yeah Scott, i, ho- I, I doubt in... i don't know well we'll see i might i might message I hope, him I hope, yeah in, in i hope at some point we get to see that, that yeah i'd love amazing. to see i'd love to see that that's but, um, as we both know when stuff's up in your attic yeah no no i've got i've got stuff in my attic that i've got to sort through right right today actually. today yeah i'm actually doing that today after this recording so uh no i totally get it but yeah thank you edmund honestly edmund that was so that was so kind of you to be to it was, be on it and, was and, and we would love to have you on again yeah sometime. yeah that made a great episode for halloween yeah, i think it really uh, did cool and um yeah where can people find you online you can so you oh sorry you can find me online as Benicillin, which is spelled uh, B E N E C I L I N on uh, X and on Instagram. Uh, although I have recently, I actually put this is relevant to toys, but I've actually put on on X now. I've actually put that I will not be posting my artwork up on there. Oh wow! Because I am a cartoonist, I do stuff, um, yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff. But if you want to see me for my art, it is going to be Instagram now, really, and my Patreon, and that's really it. Because. Um, uh, X has introduced uh, machine learning to their tweets and yeah. any media attached to those tweets. So I'm just like, I'm not, I'm just not going to bother. Yeah. It's not been worth it anyway. I, I think, I think X is going to, going to, is getting bad, to be honest. Oh, yeah, it's been bad. It's, for it, ages. it's been, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just think I'm just not going to put my work up on there. So you can find me on there, but I'll probably be post- just retweeting cool stuff and all that. So if you want to see that, then cool. Uh, and, for more cool stuff, you can check out Benicillin underscore light, which is my personal Instagram account. But if you want to check out my work, check out my Instagram, which is Benicillin. Which is Benicillin. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Alex? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which I'm going to continue to call it because that's what it says on my phone. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's still 
Still, you know, still Twitter for me. The other reason why I'm not going to put my work up on X mm. is because I can't be bothered with like changing the logo back to Twitter if he just decides to go like oh, after I've just changed it to X yeah. on my business cards or whatever. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> just, won't, just won't bother. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on there as at Dummy Crashed. Um, uh, that's really the only place that I am online. But you can follow the. Uh, podcast on X, Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, all those places. Please like, subscribe, give Let's us do. a review, anything like that. And um, yeah, we'll um, look forward to seeing you next time. I just want to say as well, thanks again, guys. I know because this is our 30th episode and it's been a year and I really, pre- I mean, we yeah, really appreciate we it. We do, honestly. we really do. So, yeah. and, and actually, do you know what? More than in the time that we would do, I mean, bear in mind, we've outdone the episodes of Mint on Cardcast. Mm-hmm. And Mint on Carcast was like three years long. Three, yeah, right. It, it did feel like it was three. It felt like three years. It felt uh, like yeah. quite a, sh- a slog when I look back at it. But this is just—I can't believe it's been a this year. Just, yeah, um, but you know, already we've had three amazing guests, mm-hmm. um, and long may stuff like that continue. Yeah, look, look forward. To it. We've got some plans for next year, and we'll talk about them more. I think uh, later on, probably like by the end of the year, maybe the start of next year. Uh, but we've got some good things coming up, and um, I'm very excited for the future of the show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bye then, guys. Bye. Bye. Uh, also, I will just add yeah. um, something which I might add into the intro, so just a second. Hello, Ben. Uh, can you add this into the intro at near the end? Uh, because you forgot to mention it. <clears throat> Figures and vehicles each sold separately. Batteries not included.